Hey, happy Friday, and welcome back, Bears fans, to the CTO Bears podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use code CHGO when you sign up. And what is going on, Nick? It is finally a CHGO Audible Day. It's been yet like almost another month, I think, just with like the combine, vacation, and just kind of how the things have flown, but I'm excited to be back with you. I'm Will DeWitt, by the way, for people who don't recognize my voice because it's been so long, but Nick, <laughs> it's great to be back, man. Yeah, and you come in at a perfect time because there's been a lot of stuff going on with the Bears uh, these past couple days, even last night, so got yeah, a lot to recap here for anybody who's missed anything. We got you covered on this Friday show. Absolutely. It's weird, Nick. I, I didn't do any free agency instant reaction episodes for the first time, I think, since the 2014 offseason. That's been almost a decade of doing instant wow. reaction podcasts about new players, and I've had time to sit and to think and research these guys. It's, it's a whole different animal, entirely different beast, and like I said, it's a little weird. It's a little weird, but you know, you had some, you you were on a family vacation, came in at the right time, got to recollect your thoughts, and now we get to share some of those thoughts with uh, everybody who's watching on this Friday. Appreciate you all for being here. Happy St. Patrick's Day for anybody who celebrates. It's the only re- I have like one, I was lo- looking in my closet this morning, Will, and it's like, I have one green shirt. It's like when I went to a, a shamrock crawl last year, and there, there you go. You have green. Perfect. <laughs> I should have just done that, honestly. <laughs> But yeah, I'm excited to be with you, talk some bears. And I think today what you and I decided this morning is we're going to set some expectations for some of these new guys. I know you guys had some great episodes talking about the players as they came in, but with some time to reflect and to think something you and I have always kind of really strived to do is set realistic expectations. (laughs) And I already saw someone in the comments, bears going 17 and 0 will. Like I said, we'll go with realistic expectations. So probably like 16 and one, something like there that. Yep. <laughs> I like it. But, but yeah, so in today's episode, uh, we're going to discuss each of the new bears, set those proper expectations for the players. And we're going to definitely talk about those new players too from last night, Robert Tunyon, Deontay Foreman. And also just quickly, maybe if we have time, reset some expectations and just some needs for the draft. I feel like that's pretty straightforward, but it's just good to kind of reset those after the first week of agency. And of course, we love to answer your Bears questions here on this show. So if you have a Bears question, feel free to throw it in the chat and we will get to those at the end of the show. And of course, if a big super chat comes in, we'll we'll make some time uh, at that moment. But Nick, you ready to kind of get started? Let's do it. All right. So the first kind of like segment, I'm going to call it like the big three. I want to talk about DJ Moore, Tremaine Edmonds, and TJ Edwards. And I'll begin here with the wide receiver, the Bears wide receiver one. Wow. It feels good to actually say that the Bears have a wide receiver one. Uh, Just some fun stats that I kind of noticed I want to share here is he's seen about 134 targets per season since 2019. In that same span, he averages 77 catches for about 1,100 yards and five touchdowns per year. He's been roughly, if you want to look at those numbers, give or take a top 12 guy. Some years he's top 10, some years he's more top 20. So give or take, it's been about top 12. And on top of that, he's uh, you know someone who moves the chains a lot. He's been in the top 12 in the NFL round there in terms of like generating first down. So Justin Fields has a guy he can rely on, lean on to help move the chain, sustain some of these drives. So when we look at DJ Mornick, is it fair to say he can be a top 12, borderline top 10 wide receiver in the league next year? Ooh, um, I think just go you go through his previous production with the fluctuation at quarterback inconsistencies in Carolina. Like he definitely has the potential there, Will. Um, I, I wouldn't put it against him, and he knows what he can add to this overall offense. So I think that, you know, that top 15, teen range is kind of like where I see him producing. If everything goes right, Justin Fields takes that next step. He feels comfortable in Luke Getzi's offense. They still need to, I think, add a couple more guys on the offensive line, but I think he's definitely capable of it. He knows he's not, he's someone yesterday too. Well, not much of a talker. He He's going to let his play do the talking for him. So that's kind of the vibe he gives off. And I'm perfectly fine with that. But uh, he's definitely capable of being that kind of guy. And I think with stability at quarterback, he, he was asked about that. Um, I think that can help his game elevate to the next level as well. 
and he's already hanging out with Justin. He saw him at the Bulls game with some of the other Bears wide receivers earlier this week. So I think that's cool. So you're saying you said like top 15 ish, give or take. So would you say like the ceiling and floor? Like the ceiling is he's a top 10 wide receiver in the league this year. Like that's the top. And then like floor, that'd be like top 20. Yeah, top 20. And even that, that seems a little low. Like, I, I like 15. I think okay. he's capable. I think he's capable of that, that floor at 15. And we can raise, you know, expectations for him. He, like I said, he, he can do, he does everything you want out of a number one guy. And he maybe just doesn't get as much recognition because he was playing in Carolina. He was playing with Sam Darnold, PJ Walker, who's now on the team, guys like that. But he's got all the attributes that you love to see in a number one wide receiver. And in your mind, are you kind of like me where you look at the addition of Moore and then you have Moore and Mooney and those two can really complement one another where Darnell Mooney takes, I don't want to say he takes a backseat. I, I think that is like diminishing what he brings to the table, but he does take on more of a natural role of a wide receiver too in an offense. And also I think having two players of their caliber should allow the defense to kind of when they go attack this Bears offense, they have to respect both of these wide receivers, which should help open up a lot of things, not just for each each other, but talk about Cole Komet. You talk about the running game, which I know is going through some adjustments too with the loss of David Montgomery. Uh, but how do you see DJ more like impacting some of the other Bears here on the offense? No, I mean, I think you put it in a you know good way there, Will. Like DJ Moore is now your number one. So when Justin Fields going through progressions, he should be the first wide receiver he looks to in the progression and then it should be Darnell Mooney and go back to the season where he actually had a thousand yards and was actually stay healthy. Like Allen Robinson was still on that team yet. He wasn't, he wasn't very productive, but still the number two guy. And you saw how productive he could be working from the slot. Yes. Darnell Mooney is capable of being on the outside, but being in that slot area, I think is going to be help him out. But with this offense, you're going to see guys that are going to line up in different spots throughout, you know, entirety of a game. But, I think for him, again, it elevates everybody, but it does help Darnell Mooney hopefully become the receiver that we I think we know he's capable of being because we saw it happen when it was with you know Matt Nagy's offense and Allen Robinson still there. Guys that I don't think mm-hmm. are gonna be as at the level of what this Bears offense can be if it's all clicking and just going in the right direction. Now I was looking at the Bengals too earlier this year, just because when you look at Jamar Chase and then you look at T. Higgins, obviously Chase is a bona fide wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. And then T. Higgins is also, as we were clamoring for this offseason, someone who we believe could be like a wide receiver one, too. And Darnell Mooney has a year of being that guy in an offense. So I was just curious, like, how could those targets be divvied up? And I I don't know if I want the Bears to pass as much as the Bengals did last year, but if they're successful, I don't mind. Obviously, I don't give a damn if it's working. Uh, But Jamar Chase had 134 targets, and T. Higgins had 109. So it is possible, obviously, to have two receivers take the bulk of those targets, each having over 100 each. So I can see that being a path for the Bears, like really heavily relying on these top two guys. And then having like that Claypool be your three. We have a couple of tight ends in Cole Komet, and now Robert Tunyon that can kind of – I have some fun stats. I can't wait to share about them later, uh, but can step up and also be major contributors in the passing game. So I feel like, like I said, I don't want to say Mooney needs to take a back seat, but he could be second on the team in targets and by very well still be high up there in terms of like getting near triple digits. Yeah, it could definitely be a, there's a pos- there's ways of doing it. Right. For me, I still think even without David Montgomery, which, which hurt to see him going to Detroit, I still think the bears are going to, want to focus and be and you know I, I think i want to push back a little bit of what i've been saying like the bears obviously last season had to be run run heavy but when you look and when you really look at luke getsy in this wide zone scheme like that wasn't necessarily what they had to do in green bay because they obviously had a quarterback that could pass it so i think the bears want to be a efficient strong running team but have the capability of passing on you as well so I don't think we'll ever see the target share that you're seeing in Cincinnati because they are going to be pass first. That's the strength of their team, Joe Burrow. But there are ways that you can, you know, utilize one area of the game, the rushing attacks to set up the pass or vice versa. So there are ways to do it. And that's for Luke Getze. He's finally in a position where like, hey, I do have some weapons here. I can get flexible, creative of how I want to attack defenses and not maybe be so run focused because I have to be. 
So it's um it's a it's a nice kind of area for the Bears to be in, and there's still more work to be done to upgrade the offense. But yeah, there's there's ways that they can get that target share maybe a little closer to each other. But still, for me, DJ Moore, I, I if he gets a bulk of the targets, the receptions, I'm all good with it. I was looking at because Ryan Poles mentioned one thing you really likes about DJ Moore is the ability to create separation. And so I was looking up some NFL next gen stats. Do you know who led the league in yards created on average, like of separation in the whole league? Isn't Cole Komet up there? It, it is Cole Komet. And I had to like, I was like, am I sorting this incorrectly? What button did I hit? But Cole Komet led the NFL in separation. And I don't know if it's him being the guy to make the separation or if defenses were just like, yeah, we'll let him give, have some space and, I don't know what it was, uh, but it really surprised me to see Cole Komet. And I'm also surprised that you knew that. I don't know why I saw that stat floating around. I don't know, like three weeks ago or something like that, but what's the one play where, and I'm forgetting what game it was against where he's down the right sideline, the sun's in his eyes. Maybe he got all the yards of separation on that one touchdown play. The one that was like a cross. Was it the Lions? Was it? I think it may have been the Lions, but yeah, maybe that's where all those uh, those stats are coming from on that one play alone. But (laughs) honestly, you're right. That would skew it. That would skew it. Yeah, that would skew it. But I I think, look, he's not as bad. I think as maybe some people make it out to be, but he's not that the you know most yards separated uh, stat there that you just read. But it, it is interesting that he is up there. All right, let's move over to defense and continue on this big three discussion. And I think for the sake of this talk, we should lump them together, Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards. Uh, Both of them top 10 in some different categories in terms of tackles. So Tremaine Edmonds is 10th in the NFL in tackles since he was drafted. Just throwing that out there. And then TJ Edwards has been 10th in the NFL in tackles since 2020. So the Bears have two tackling machines and two linebackers that I still think their best football could be ahead of them and their arrows are definitely pointing up. And and what I really like about this combination is the fact that they have complementary skill sets. Yeah. And on top of that, they're both just excellent cover linebackers. And with the NFL being more and more predicated on a passing attack and stopping a passing attack, having two dominant coverage linebackers, is really going to help this defense. I know some people get kind of soured out about Tremaine Edmonds coverage ability, uh, but I I think they think about the past a little bit too much. So in 2021, he was pretty bad, uh, a 34.6 grade against PFF. But last year he had a 90 grading coverage, Mm -hmm. which is the best of all linebackers. And then you have TJ Edwards, who early on in his career wasn't a good cover backer, but he really started to have that click starting in the middle of not last season, but 2021 and, and things started to click. The game slowed down. He's able to kind of get to his spots a, a little bit quicker. What are your thoughts in terms of like, obviously the bears need help across the board in that defense uh, coverage from linebackers is an obvious weak spot last year. That is now maybe a strength of this team. How do you think that's going to impact this team going forward? I know there's some work up front that still needs to be done. We'll talk about some of the work that's already have taken place. But I'm just curious your thoughts about Edmonds and Edwards and their coverability and how that's going to help the Bears be better next season. Yeah, I think the big thing too, like we were, you were just kind of highlighting, Will, a lot of the NFL now, you're in your nickel defense. But imagine now going into this 2023 season, having Edmonds and Edwards out there who are not only shown, especially last season, they can be really high efficient coverage linebackers, but they're still capable of making the run. So now you're in an advantageous situation where a lot of teams aren't. So you have a covering tackling linebackers that are ascending players still young enough to where I think there's a lot more that they can show but now when you get into, you know, a, a game where you have to defend against the pass, you have the best of both worlds. So I really like that element that now Allen Williams has for this defense. But like you, you mentioned, there is still some work to be done up front. So I think those linebackers with adding some defense alignment that can allow them to be the most productive version of themselves. But, you know, I, I like the moves. It obviously creates higher expectations, I think, for this defense, what they're capable of doing. The thing that I think um, some Bears fans were looking at with Tremaine Edmonds specifically because he got the bigger contract, what Matt Eberflus values in this defense is turnovers, right? Mm -hmm. And he hasn't had that turnover production. It was less than, you know, 
Roquan Smith had while he was with the Bears. But I, I think now you're that's a 24-year-old linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds. He's still so young that he has so much to learn and so much to gain and can learn a lot from just being in now this defense that I'm not too concerned about that. I think he's going to be around the football a lot, just like um, TJ Edwards, and that production will come once again in the scheme and kind of learn this hits this hits principle. So I really like the moves and just what it does for the Bears defense. And luckily, both are coming from very similar systems. Like Edmonds is on that Leslie came from the Leslie Frazier tree, which is all part of mm-hmm. this like a different branch of the same defense. So, and that's a big reason when I was driving to Soldier Field months ago, and it was actually the same day that the Roquan little note came out, and then I was sitting next to you in a press box. And what was I doing? I was looking up Tremaine Edmonds because I was like, it doesn't matter if we sign Roquan or not right now, or if we don't sign Roquan, because this is a guy who's about to hit for agency. There's a more natural fit in this four, three defense where Roquan's best suited is at three, four inside linebacker. So I do think it honestly could be a best case scenario for the bears. He entered the league. Like he said, he's 24 turning 25. Like he was 19 years old when he was drafted. Like he was a kid. He was a baby and he's, learned as he's gone on he's gotten better every year and i think last year on a contract year betting on himself having the i think a very proper mindset for that situation and balled out i i'm excited to see what he can do in a defense that predicates like the hustle and the intensity Mm -hmm. and i feel like he's only going to get better and his passion for the game has always been apparent for me and he's just really just naturally talented and one other thing about tj edwards because i think a lot of this discussion is like trended towards Edmonds, and you've kind of talked about like they have more than just their cover abilities but i love edwards as a pass rusher like sneaking in there on those extra blitzes being that extra guy and the bears last in league in sacks last year i don't need to reiterate it but i did and also a very good run defender so there is just so much that they bring to the table is better that was on the field last year after Roquan Smith left. And I know the contract for Edmonds is higher, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't both these contracts when you add them up pretty much what Roquan got paid in Baltimore? Like, yeah. I and then add the second round draft pick. Yeah. That they also got. And like that equals, you know, basically what Roquan's getting and look, Roquan Smith's still a very good player, but in terms of what fits best for the bears, now they fill two linebacker positions, have that draft capital, and, you know, our, Roquan Smith can go do his own thing. The Bears have their new version of the linebackers that are, I think will fit better in the scheme. I love this uh, comment from uh, the Dash Law. I don't know if that's Lawrence, but uh, smash the like button for <laughs> Mick DeWitt and Omoriano because it's, you know, St. Paddy's Day and right up the alley. That was, that was a really good one. Made me chuckle. Have we talked about in this podcast who's Mike and who's Will, or did they talk about it yesterday? I, I, I've been really busy with uh, some meetings over the last few days, but I'm just curious of where that's kind of landing right now. Yeah, I think the the day they both signed, we're like, okay. Well, I know Adam was saying Will for um, uh, Edmonds and then Mike for Edwards. Gosh, that's going to be confusing as I keep doing that. Uh, but I think <laughs> now it's looking like Tremaine Edmonds as the Mike Edwards as the, why am I questioning myself when I'm saying these names? Uh, Edmonds, Mike, Will is Edwards, and then Jack Sanborn as the the Sam linebacker. Okay. I don't know why See, that, that makes sense to me. Like I know the E's are going to be interesting. Like we have an E and E, you know, out, out there at mm-hmm. the linebacking position now. And you have Edmonds, you have Edwards, you have Jalen Johnson, Jalen Jones. It, yeah, <laughs> it uh, it's fun uh, out there when you have to call a, a game with this Bears defense on the field. DJ, no, I think that, DJ Moore, you have DJ yeah. Moore and, and you have PJ Walker. Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, we got PJ Walker. You got Demarcus Walker. Yeah, we we got it all. So if look, I'm going to say this right now on March 17th. If I accidentally tweet something and. It, you know, you know what I mean. If I do TJ Edmonds or whatever it may be, I'm sorry. I just, just know I'm still adjusting here. <laughs> All right. Anything else on these linebackers in terms of expectations? Like I know they're like roughly top 10 linebackers each. Uh, and like in some, like the, in those categories over those different year spans, like, is that where you kind of hope to see both of them be like a top 10 backer? Can we get to that? Like that would be very Erlacher and Briggsy. They have two guys that can be considered top 10 uh, at the position on the same defense. Do you think that's valid? I, I don't I don't see why not personally. Yeah, I think that's a good a good bar to set for the, the this group. 
the thing it I think hinges on is like that defensive line though, because obviously they, we know that they could be productive. They also had far better defenses and guys up front from Buffalo and Philadelphia, but in terms of their, their attributes, what they can do athletically. Yeah. They should be in that top 10 unit. Um, and hopefully like even like adding those turnovers, that's going to be a big part of it too. Like I want to see these guys create turnovers um, with all the production that they have done with like tackling and coverage ability, the the turnovers I also want to see, but you know, that defensive line does need to get a little bit elevated as well. So we'll see what Ryan Poles can do um, to get that done. All right. I think that's going to do it for the big three uh, before we get to some of the rest. I, we have a couple messages that we need to share. Nick, you are up to bat first, man. Yeah, as you know, CHGO Bears off-season coverage is brought to you by the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. You can learn more at comed.com slash poweringbiz. But the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve save money and energy. ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, whether it's lighting, HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. And industrial engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. But don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today for energy-saving tips. And to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash poweringbiz. So are you ready to sign up for your facility assessment? Call them at 1-855-433-2700 during normal business hours to speak with a ComEd energy efficiency program representative you can also email business ee at comed.com or request an assessment online on their website at comed.com slash facility assessment and of course as you know DraftKings sportsbook is the official betting partner of chgo and all city and right now it's all about at least for me march madness and i have my bracket filled out i'm just using that as a guide to kind of do some some small parlays and i love using DraftKings because of well they have profit boosts on top of that right now so i can get up to 100 profit boost on my college basketball parlays and if i'm looking at a specific bet here today based off my bracket i think an easy one and i'm biased but creighton kentucky and indiana and before the boost, that's at plus 230. Afterwards, I was plus four something or another. Nick's like, I'm going to make some money. Don't don't bet on IU because then they're going to lose. I, I don't want that right now. Okay. You stay away. I'll, I'll try not to. Yep. We'll do it. <laughs> I'm not, that's the thing. Even I get wary about putting money on my team because that tends to be you know bad luck. But that's like my little three-leg parlay that I'm looking at here today. And so far, my bracket's doing. Okay. I think there's a lot that's already kind of getting busted out there, which... I'm not completely busted, but I feel like it could be better and it can definitely be worse. But again, DraftKings, they have all these awesome boosts uh, that you can kind of partake in and you can get more money, more bang for your buck with some of these bets. So download the app now and sign up with code CHGO. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NBA with code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Will, I made my bracket about, I think it was like 10 or 15 minutes before Ryan Poles spoke at Hell. So I'm like, can I do this? <laughs> Quickly made it up. It's no, no shit. It's like probably the worst bracket I've ever done in my entire life. Any, any team that was, I had winning probably lost. I bet them, you know, had my Iowa Hawkeyes beating Auburn. That didn't happen. Didn't even watch the game. But yeah, probably the worst bracket I've made. But I'm going to follow your tip. Just you know, follow the bracket that I had. Just make some bets along the way and see if I can make the most out of what is now just a useless bracket that means nothing. Man, you should have reached out to me. I have an awesome tool that I learned years ago when I started podcasting for the Assembly Call. And we have, uh, I think his name is Ed on, and he has a website called The Power Rank. And he has... A model, a mathematical model that he's worked on for over like 20 years now and pretty much can give you the percentage of every team to reach every point of the tournament based off of how the brackets were filled out. And you just click on a team and you can see like, oh, they have a 20% chance to win the whole thing or only a 0% chance. And it's just good to know like what percentage of each matchup and you can kind of, there are some like seeds that are like 12 seeds that you would be surprised have a higher percentage than those lower seeds. And it's just good to 
good ways to find maybe some of those potential bracket busters in there. Just just saying. You dropped the ball, Nick. Next year. I'll go okay. to you a couple days before the tournament begins, and I'll be set with my bracket. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to football. Let's get back to the Chicago Bears because they're in, uh, since I think the last time you guys were live on air, two new Chicago Bears uh, that we need to discuss. And that's Robert Tunyon and Deonta Foreman. Who do you want to talk about first? I, I can go either way. Let's go Foreman. Let's go the good Foreman, Foreman, Deonta. Let's do it. All right. So I'm going to just throw some things out here and then we'll set some expectations. So over his last two seasons, 1,480 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. Uh, he does have a little bit of an injury history. Uh, he had a mm-hmm. torn Achilles that made him miss most of the 2018 year, and he missed all of 2019 with a torn biceps. Uh, after those injuries, he spent 2020, 2021 backing up Derrick Henry, and he had 133 rushes in that final year in Tennessee when Henry was kind of dealing with some of his own issues too. And in that time, uh, I think that's when he still kind of showed the league, like he can still have like a little bit of that ed factor. And now when I look at Foreman and what he brings to the table here, the bears and just comparing of what we lost in David Montgomery, I I think this is pretty interesting. So if you look at last season, uh, Foreman averaged a half yard more per carry than Monty and four more yards per game on the ground. And in 2021, very similar. He averaged another half yard more than David Montgomery and three more yards per game on the ground. And the yards per game to me is minuscule, but I think the average per touch is really interesting. Very similar production, uh, but the Bears, I, I mean, when you look at the value here, right? Montgomery signed for Detroit for three years, 18. Foreman, one year, $3 million has been reported. Like, that is a really good deal for someone that does average over the last two years about a half yard more per carry than David Montgomery. And we've talked about that in the podcast too, where, you know, Montgomery, as much as we love him, as much as we know he's a great guy and a really damn good football player, like that average just wasn't up to snuff to pay him like a top running back here in this league. What are your thoughts on the foreman siding, how he currently fits in the backfield? I don't know if, you know, the work is done there. There's another player we'll talk about in a minute, but what are your just general thoughts and reaction about the foreman siding? Yeah, it makes sense, Will, right? When you lose a guy like David Montgomery, who, you know, did a lot for the Bears, um, when you get a guy like that, you see why they make the move. I remember actually talking to Kari Blassingame because they they crossed paths when they were in Tennessee Mm, for a season, and he spoke glowingly about him. I I think he went off against, I guess, I think it was against the Detroit Lions one game, and he brought him up out of nowhere. He's like, yeah, Deontay Foreman, love that guy. Well, now he gets a block for him, so that's going to be a nice – little addition to the running back room as the bears are trying to, you know, again, fill the void that David Montgomery left. And for you, Will, I wonder, I don't know, maybe we still need more time to think about, it, but Herbert's still your RB one, right? I mean, or is it like, I feel like this is kind of like a, like if it's you, a running back by committee approach. One A one B. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with, with this because Foreman doesn't have just looking at the stats and maybe, maybe just didn't have as many opportunities, but as a receiver of the backfield, he hasn't really shown that in his career. We know Herbert still needs to work on that part of his game, but that's where, you know, we have another running back that we'll discuss in a little bit comes in, but I think it really, when you see running back by committee, this version of the bears, I think is really going to show that um, this 2023 season. I'm right there with you. As of right now, there is not like that alpha in the room that you just pound the rock with and use other guys as supplements. It's like like we just said, I think 1A and 1B is the best way to go about it. And I know Homer, and like I said, we'll talk about him later, uh, has been effective out of the backfield as a receiver. And I think that's been like the bread and butter of his career. Uh, and then Ebner, too, is on this roster. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of Bears fans, I have seen comments about like well he must be gone and everything i don't know if that's really the case just yet Uh, we have to still be patient he was just a rookie and uh, on top of that too like what he did in college as a receiver uh from the running back position was very impressive and something that i don't think has just gone away so i do think that's an extra wrinkle but at the same time, and this is it's only March 17th, so we don't have to get this deep into the woods, but you don't want to get so dimensional where Ebner's out there and you just know immediately like, oh, it's going to be a pass or mm-hmm. something like that too. And same thing with Homer uh, when we get to him in just a bit. But when you look at Foreman, like what are those expectations? Obviously, when you average over the last two years around you know, 740 rushing yards and four touchdowns, like that's 
solid RB two numbers. Uh, mm-hmm. and so if you're looking at splitting the difference between Herbert and him, like I, I feel like keeping expectations, you know, right along those lines is pretty fair. I don't want to say he's going to be like in a thousand yard rusher, double digit touchdown guy in the ground or anything like that. But I still feel like, you know, 700 yards, handful of touchdowns is more than he's more than capable of that. Yeah, I think so. And I think for, for me too, again, expectations, it's, it's hard to put on like, again, this running back by committee approach, but I think when you see him out there, he, he almost, he just looks like a natural in terms of reading the blocks, making the upfield cut, getting the yards that he's supposed to get. Like that's how you're going to keep ahead of the chains and, you, I, he's he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to be uh, hesitant when he you know is out there where he just needs to hit the hole and go. I can see that happening, but he was a part of some big games for the the Carolina Panthers last season. Like go back to the, uh, their game against Detroit, like he was gashing them. And it was just crazy how much yards on the ground the Lions were giving up, but like he's capable of you know making those explosive runs that you didn't quite frankly see out of David Montgomery last season. So, mm. you know, I want to see those types of runs from a guy like that from an offensive line that, you know, hopefully can create some lanes for these guys, but it's going to, it's going to be interesting to watch because I don't know if like drive by drive, here's Foreman, here's Herbert. Like, I don't know how it's going to go at this point in time, but it'll be interesting to keep an eye on and how the bears kind of see what's best for this rushing attack as a whole. Oh man, Nick, you just like blew my mind. I didn't even think about checking the explosive runs. So, when you look at runs of 20 or more, Foreman is, sorry, I'm going to count here in the spot, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10th, 11th in the league last year uh, at those runs of 20-plus. Of course, if you look at just uh, running backs, that would put him around 10th to 9th. I see Josh Allen up there. I see Justin Fields up there, so we can take those away. So, yeah, a top 10 running back in terms of having those explosive runs, and we all know that if Khalil Herbert had more opportunities, stayed healthy a little bit more. He probably would have been up there too because he was bursting out some of those big yeah. ones. And I think if you sort here, I'm doing a live show, so there's a lot here. But if you sort by the 40 plus, that's where Herbert comes in because he had two uh, 40 plus last year, which is up there uh, in the league too. So you're right. Like the explosiveness and the ability to make those big plays on the ground, that is something that Dave Montgomery really did lack. He was not able to consistently turn out no running back and consistently turn out 20 plus yarders but you know what i mean like he wasn't able to Mm -hmm. rank high up there uh, in the league in that category so like like that's like an epiphany moment there as soon as you said that (laughs) really good point really really good point now you have two running backs who can hit the home run that's that's fun let's uh so brags in the chat here is drafting a running back in the first three rounds completely off the board now uh, I think if you're maybe the third round, like I, I could see that happening. It, it all depends too what they do at nine, right? Like do, if they move that back, that that obviously creates some flexibility. But I don't. For me personally, I think they're going to do it on day three. I, if they draft a running back, I think it's going to be on day three, so that four to four to seven range. But third round, I wouldn't rule it out. I don't. I don't think anything's off the table. I hate to use that phrase. <laughs> I hate to <laughs> even mention tables. Uh, when it comes to the bears anymore, but I, I don't think like they won. Probably not Two, I, I, I would say very unlikely, but I don't think impossible. I think if the right players there, they like them and, and they believe he can bolster that backfield. And like, again, like you want to, you want to get yourself set in free agency where like, you can roll into the season and feel okay. But if you have a chance to add to it and make yourself even better in the draft, then there's no reason not to, unless there are other guys on your board that are higher at other positions of need. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot to take in there. Uh, let's talk about Robert Tunyon here real quick. So this is interesting because when we did our free agency board for our diehards, like I put like, I like Tunyon as like a talent, but I don't know if the bears would want someone like who, I don't know, like is more of that pure pass catcher who doesn't provide as much as the blocking aspect of it. And then I was like, so I, I don't know if I see the fit. But now he's here, so I have to look at it from that perspective. And I was trying to figure out why they would sign some Robert Tunyon. So here, here's my little rundown. We'll get to the conversation. So 11 touchdowns in 2020, but only four touchdowns in his last 25 games. That's something that concerned me uh, a little bit off the bat. 53 catches, 400 yards last year, but he did catch 84% of his targets, which is the third best of all tight ends and also the most, uh, the highest 
catch percentage of any tight end that saw at least 35 or more targets last year. That's pretty damn reliable. Uh, if you ask me, he was 21st in catches, eighth in touchdowns since 2020. And since that season, he's averaged 27 receiving yards per game. Cole Komet, since then, 34 receiving yards per game. And when you look at some of the best tight ends in the league, Kelsey, Goddard, Andrews, Hawkinson, they average together collectively around 60 receiving yards per game. Like that's about their average, that <clears throat> top elite unit. So if you look at Cole Komet as tight end one and Robert Tunyon as tight end two, and they're both like going to be consistent pass catchers, and if the averages hold true, they would combine to be an elite tight end one. That that's really exciting. Like that's just to me interesting. That like obviously it's like Moneyball in a way. Like you don't have a TJ Hawkinson, we don't have a Travis Kelsey, we don't have a Goddard, we don't have a Mark Andrews, but we have two guys. When you add them up, equal the same production. Now that to me, Nick, I don't know about you, but. That's pretty cool. Like to have someone on this team now that bolsters that tight end room because outside of Cole Komet last year, you had nothing like no production at all. We've talked about that in this podcast a lot. No production outside Cole Komet at tight end. Now you have a guy that if, if he holds up his averages, heck, if he can go back to the 11 TDs we saw in 2020 in the red zone, awesome. Uh, but still, like you have two guys that could be combined a top five, top three, top two tight end in this league. I don't want to say they're going to pass Travis Kelsey because his average is up there more. He's like a, a, his own level, but like mm -hmm. there are two guys here that could, like I said, equal a high end tight end one. Yeah. And I think too, what's really enticing about. Ooh, so enticing. I think Nick's internet went out or is it me, Joey? Can you pop on? Now I'm really scared. Nope, it's all neck. You're good. Oh, right phew. I was like, is, did my internet die? I, I My Comcast has been uh, eh, lately. So no, I was. I don't, uh, know, I don't know what was so enticing that Nick uh, popped out, but I think we got him back. It was so enticing, Nick. Your internet decided to die. Oh, okay. I, I don't know if that's on my. I have no idea. Um, sorry about that. For people who are watching, people who are listening is going to be even more confused. But as I was saying, uh, I, Luke Getze, right? Just the influence that he's going to have from him, knowing that he's been in this offense. And now it's not going to be as much of a transition period. And that's, I think that's also enticing when you're thinking about immediate players that can have an impact on Justin Fields in 2023. And not saying that Robert Tiny is going to just put him over the top here, but now you have a tight end that I think you can put out there that you can trust. The only thing for me, and he, are already a better upgrade than what you had at the backup tight ends from, you know, Ryan Griffin and, and other guys there, but you still would like to see that more, I guess, prototypical blocking tight end, but mm -hmm. still, I think it's nice to have options as receiving threats because that's what we were clamoring for all off season is that you need to give Justin Fields more guys he can trust in the passing game. This is just another weapon that you can utilize there as you know, the bears are still trying to figure out what's going to be best uh, and how to attack opposing defenses. And now you have at least more weapons to throw out there. So I, I get the move. And also it seems like, well, the bears are just signing every Illinois native that they possibly can to come join this team. I saw, um, what was it? Cameron Brait, the tight end from the Buccaneers was let go. He's in, he went to Naperville. You have Robert Tunyon from uh, McHenry. And now, obviously, Cole Komet from Arlington Heights. So you can have, you know, just uh, all tight end background there. So seriously, though, if you do these heavy personnel sets inside, like you're in the five-yard line, you have two tight ends. You have Robert Tunyon, who is a top five red zone tight end in 2020. And I know some injuries have kind of derailed that a bit, but mm -hmm. ideally he's healthy. And that's what the Bears are banking on. And then you have Cole Komet, who was a top three tight end in the red zone last year. Uh, with his five touchdowns, like you have two very capable tight ends in that green red area of the field to be a reliable weapon for Justin Fields to target in the end zone. I, I think that is just exciting. Again, as the word that keeps coming back to me and we'll see exactly how the utilization of these two players are. Uh, but it does look like, again, the bears are getting 
I think they got a lot better at this position. When you look at raising the floor, I think the floor, I think last year we were like in the basement. Like it was just like, yeah. and now like we can say like, you know, we're, we can, we hit the elevator and we're going up and we'll see exactly what floor we get let off on. But I, I feel like the bears are definitely upgraded here and he doesn't break the bank. It's a one year deal. I believe if I remember correctly too. Uh, so it's, it's like, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see exactly how it all shakes out, but anything else on Tunyon for like his expectations for him next year? No, uh, just the only things like this, another move in a series of moves that Ryan Poles has made that just makes sense, right? You're just adding, you know, players that when you look at the moves, like, okay, I get it. You know, you, you add a, a player like Robert Tunyon. Yeah. It helps the offense. He had connects with Luke Getzey. You don't have a problem with it. Foreman as well. Like these are moves that, just makes sense. I don't know if there's been one yet where you're like, what is Ryan Poles thinking? But hey, we still have some time in free agency and we still have some time before the draft. So we'll see what ends up happening. But it's just another move that makes sense. All right, let's get to some of the rest, some of the names that we've known now for a little bit. And let's begin with Nate Davis. So the interesting comment uh, that we got yesterday, and I caught this one, uh, was that Cody Whitehair, he may go back to center, uh, which maybe it's some smoke. Uh, but there's still plenty of time to you know draft a center and all, all that good stuff. We'll see. But it, it was interesting that that was mentioned to me. But what are your thoughts on Nate Davis? Is he a left guard? Is he going to be a right guard? It's the only spot he's played throughout his career. I know that just that impacts Tevin Jenkins. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of variables at play here. Um, but I'm just, just curious your thoughts on Davis. Yeah, and I, and I know he mentioned that he played a little bit on the left side when he was in college, but I, I went up and looked up his his uh where he was slotted in at I believe it's Charlotte, uh the college that he was at, and most of the, most of his reps there were all at right guard. So for me, Will, I'm kind of penciling at this moment, March 17th, without them you know hitting the football field, probably Nate Davis at your right guard spot, and yeah, that does create the. Uh, I don't know if it's the issue, the problem, whatever word you want to use, but with Tevin Jenkins. And if Cody Whitehair is now moving over to center, and I went back and looked, when was the last time Cody was actually at center? It was week 10 against the Vikings in the 2020 season. So that was the last time he was playing center there. Um, Then you are you putting Tevin Jenkins as your left guard? You have Cody Whitehair as your center. Lucas Patrick, is he just done? Like there's there's a shuffling offensive line here, and I know – Going into this season, I would say this is probably the one critique I have of, of Ryan Pohl so far. It's like there's still a lot of question marks about the offensive line. And, you know, I think I just would have liked to have some more answers at this point. But there's still a lot of time here. We'll see what the draft brings. But now, it just for me, I think Nate Davis goes at your right guard. We'll see what Tevin Jenkins could do possibly at left guard, if that's what they're thinking. And then Cody at center. Then Braxton Jones is your left tackle. I think that's that might be the most solidified position so far, unless maybe the bears draft Pierce Skaronski and then things get more, more question marks arise. So a lot of fluctuation going on in the offensive line. Yeah. This one is like one of the most hardest to like peg and to figure out. So Bragg's had a comment about people are saying about like Foreman being the running back one because Herbert can't block. Uh, I just want to say that out of all the running backs last year, uh, I mean, all 148 running backs, this is interesting. I didn't even think to look this up. Deontay Foreman's pass block grade was the third worst in the league at 14.8. So he ranks 146th in his pass blocking last year in Carolina, where Herbert was more, you know, middle of the pack, but not like great. He was 90th at 54.4. Montgomery was 81st. So it's not like the Bears had great pass blocking running backs and they didn't look like they get really any better right now. All right. Anyway, getting back to the topic at hand, here's something that is interesting to me about Nate Davis. Uh, and again, right guard has been where he's been. Um, but when you look at all the guards, he ranked 15th of guards who played at least 675 snaps last year, 15th. I, I would say that's a pretty massive upgrade for the bears uh, up front. Uh, the bears didn't even have a guy that qualified for that last year just saying they didn't have anyone that played enough snaps to even qualify uh, for that but when you look at it and you want to sort from some like the other stats and pressures uh davis allowed the fourth fewest pressures of all guards last year and that was only two more pressures allowed than ben powers who was like the mm-hmm. big name in free agency last year he only allowed two more pressures than ben powers and i think it's interesting because davis 
was on a line that gave up 49 sacks uh, with three quarterbacks and Powers was on a, a better unit. They gave up 38 sacks combined, and they also had to play with three different quarterbacks last year. So Davis was surrounded by less, but gave you similar production. And then Powers, of course, a three-year, $51 million contract. And then Davis for the Bears, three years, 30. So it's another bargain buy for the Bears that, not the household name, but maybe he's the off-brand. Maybe he's like the off-brand, uh, the store name uh, for the position here. So I thought that was interesting for Davis. Like that is, I like when I was like, I need to look this up for the show. I figured he'd be like a top 30 kind of guy. I was not expecting mm-hmm. top 15, top five for pressures allowed and being right up there with Ben Powers. Yeah. And Nate Davis too, got a chance to watch some of his all 22 movement skills are up there on the charts. Like he gets up to second level. He knows where his landmarks are at. And so it just makes sense again with the scheme that the bears are running. And that's why like, you know, when Orlando Brown and potentially like bears fans want to go get him, like uh, Ryan Pohl said the scheme matters. So for Nate Davis, he fits what the bears want to do. Mm-hmm. So take what he did with the stats, what he can do as a, as a mover in terms of just polling and getting up in space, getting to the second level. I really like this Nate Davis signing and I'm excited to see what he's going to do for this bears offensive line. However, the bears end up getting the best five out there. It's hard because like for a guy who is successful at one spot, I'd hate to move him. Yeah. But I also say the same thing about Tevin Jenkins, because when mm-hmm. Jenkins was out there, he was very good at right guard too. And so like, I would hate to move them. So with the bears have a challenge here to figure out how to get these players on the field and put them in the best spot. And offensive line play is not plug and play. You can't, it's not go here, go there. And it's the same thing. Like you will have different tendencies and it's not as simple as it sounds. So it's going to be an interesting challenge for the bears. But I think here with Davis, they got a good one for a pretty good deal. And I'm excited to see how they end up wanting to utilize them. And hopefully it's in a way that allows him to be even better here in Chicago. All right, let's talk about two guys up front for the defensive line. Because we did say there's some work happening here. We have Demarcus Walker, Andrew Billings. What are your thoughts on Walker in terms of like what he brings? Is he an upgrade over Justin Jones? Is he someone that can help work in, like, in a tandem with them? I'm just curious your thoughts. Yeah, Demarcus Walker. Well, one, I mean, it's clear that he has a chip on his shoulder, uh, just based off of like his press conference yesterday. I'm sure everyone saw his uh, viral, you know, answer about like wanting to come to Chicago mm-hmm. because Just Fields said absolutely. So he he you know started off the press conference uh, in a very interesting way. But for me, you know, Demarcus Walker had his best statistical season last year. The Tennessee Titans. All seven of his sacks came from playing on the inside. He was also playing some, and he provides some versatility, and he definitely, you know, will hit on the hits principle. He's a guy that hustles. I, and I already said this yesterday's podcast. I just don't want to see Alquanine Muhammad type of vibes. And you know, mm-hmm. he was coming off of a career year in Indianapolis. Comes here, strikes out, completely strikes out. And I'm not saying that's what Demarcus Walker is going to be, but like for me, I just need to see more a, another guy added to the defensive line in general, but he's someone that can play inside and he shows that quickness, that, that bull rush. He definitely likes a swim move. That's his thing. The swim move is, is DeMarcus Walker's uh, move to go to. So we'll see. I'm a little, uh, I don't know if on the fence is the right you know phrase to use, but I need to see it because he was what fifth in defensive line snaps last year among, you know, Titans uh, defense alignment. So he wasn't a full-time starter. So now I don't know if that's going to even be the case here in Chicago, but we just need to see. I just need to see it out of him once the season starts. Yeah. Can he take that next step? That's the big one. Can he be, can he go from the rotational defensive lineman, first guy off the bench to a starter? And I think mm-hmm. the Bears, I, I think they're hoping, but they're not going to put their all their eggs into the Walker basket. And when you just look at like where he ranked, uh, you know, at the interior defensive line position. 10th in sacks last year, which eight, uh, which is double what the Bears defensive lineman had last year as an entire unit. And the Bears got the four sacks from all their defensive linemen on a combined 1,753 snaps. And he had his eight sacks in about 420 snaps. So about a quarter of the snaps, he was able to kind of have double the production. But will that be sustainable? Is that something that can translate over to Chicago? I think those 
are my questions. But regardless, he should upgrade or at least raise the floor here with this defensive line. And I think the same thing goes with Andrew Billings. And what I like about these two is we talk about Walker as like a pass rusher. And then Billings is another new signing that comes in. And he is like a, a run stuffer. When you look around him, he was 13th uh, ranked of at the position of run defenders. He was ahead of DeForest Buckner, John Allen, Zach Allen, Sheldon Rankins, mm-hmm. and way ahead of a big name, Deron Payne. Because we talked about it. Payne's a great oh, pass okay. rusher, but he's not that good at run stuffing uh, up front. Payne was 62nd, by the way. And we're looking at Billings here at 13th uh, at the position. Uh, And he did the one thing I did notice about Billings missed a lot of tackles. He had the fourth highest missed tackle percentage at the position uh, on these run plays at 17.8%. So it concerns me because like, oh, you want to see that guy finish. But I feel like in this defense that predicates the hustle and the intensity and making sure you do finish these plays. To me, it's just it shows there's more on the plate that can be consumed here. He can play at an even higher level if he can finish some of those plays that he was just unable to last year. But when I look at Billings, Nick, I think he's an early down defender. He's in your base defense uh, and those obvious run situations. Uh, And even though he's not like as good at getting after quarterbacks, he did have 10 pressures, two sacks last year. And that's a lot better than most of the Bears defensive linemen uh, were able to do too. So I think these two players combined really elevate the floor but what the Bears are still lacking is that dominant player up front that, you know, whether it be edge, whether it be at the three tech, they're still just missing some dominance up there. So I like these to help solidify some things in the back end, but I'm still looking for like a big time playmaker up front inside out, maybe both. Yeah. And for me real quick on Andrew Billings, like he's a guy that helps those linebackers we started the show off with, right? Someone mm-hmm. who's going to occupy the double teams. And it's okay if he doesn't make a tackle. You have two linebackers that all they love doing is making tackles. But obviously you want to see him, you know, be a little bit better in that area of his game. But that's a guy that helps the linebackers. So, again, going back to moves that make sense, Will, financially and just mm-hmm. for what the team needs. So I like that signing, but I agree with you. They need a guy up there. They need a dude that where teams can, like, we need to watch so-and-so player here. But – um, again, a move that makes sense, especially for the new linebackers they just got. And Edward said in the comments, there is no dominant three tech available right now. Damn right. Yeah, they're yeah, hard to find. Right. There's a reason you just, they're not just sitting on the streets all, all too often. And that's what Ryan Paul said. Like, you're not going to fit and fill every single need in one off season. So the best you can do is raise that floor. And I think he did a really good job here uh, as we're, you know, you're trying to get better. You're not trying to be as bad. You may not be dominant electric, but you won't be as bad. And so we'll see exactly what the draft unfolds. I mean, for agency is not over. It's only been a week. Uh, So there are other players, but you're not going to find that dominant player most likely uh, right now at this juncture. So patience will still be needed there. I know we have a couple more players, but I just looked at the time and we should probably, you know, get to some other reads here just real quick. And Nick, just like the first round, uh, you are up first. Yeah, and just got to tell everybody about Goose Island. I'm sure a lot of people are drinking their Goose Island as they're celebrating St. Patrick's Day. But CHGO is supported by Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. So many great options like the Blackhawks Pale Ale, Bull City 312, Beer Hug IPA Series, and my new favorite, No Plans. Goose Island's two local locations are open and ready to welcome you. Grab a beer right from their innovation tanks at the Goose Island Tap Room at 1800 West Fulton, or get a smash burger and a fresh beer of the week at the original Clybourne Brew House at 1800 North Clybourne. For reservation and pickup, go to gooseisland.com slash locations, Goose Island Beer Company. And as you know, one of our, at least my, one of my favorite partners that we have here is Game Time because they're the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Have you ever dreamed of sitting at a seat you never thought you could? The 50-yard line? What about courtside at an NCAA tournament game? Behind home plate, floor seats at a concert, it's all possible with the Game Time app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats you thought you could never buy, and you won't find a better deal this season. On There you go, Nick. Show them the app on the screen. You won't find a better deal this season on, heck, I mean, baseball's like right around the corner. So like mm-hmm. Sox, Cubs, like you're not going to find any better deals than you will over there on Game Time. And I love the fact that they were created by the fans for the fans. I really resonate with that. Something that, you know, obviously I've kind of strived and same thing with Nick throughout the years. 
and Game Time guarantees the lowest price. So if you love seats, show you're going to love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. That's here on YouTube and also your podcast player of choice. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, Will DeWitt, Nicholas Moriano, this is the CCO Bears podcast. Give this video a thumbs up. Hit that like button if you haven't yet. I want to see that number trickle up here throughout the final segment of the show. And Nick, we just have a couple of players to get to, and then we can get to some Bears questions. Uh, but I'm curious, you know, Travis Homer, just real quickly, we kind of alluded to it. He, he only has, what, 20 running attempts in last season, five and a half average, hey, but the, the sample size super duper small, but he's a decent receiving back, 52 career catches, 32 coming in the last two years. I don't think Homer is even a lock to make this roster, to be honest. We'll see how that all shakes out throughout training camp, uh, but as of right now, do you have any expectations for Homer? Does any thoughts on him that you haven't mentioned on a show before? Again, I think receiving back is his prototype. It'll just be how the bears would like to utilize him. Uh, and again, to me, it's if he makes this roster, I think there's a strong chance he does, but I don't want to guarantee it. Yeah. As soon as David Montgomery was, you know, going to Detroit, this news came immediately afterwards, but bears fans, you know, and credit to them knew like, that's not going to be the guy that just replaces, you know, a guy like David Montgomery, but it was interesting what he said yesterday uh, in this, like his, his exact quote, I would say I'm one of the best pass blocking pass protecting backs in the league. I'm going to make sure I stay true to that. I haven't looked up the numbers to see if what Travis Homer is saying is valid, but if that is the case, that does give you some flexibility for a guy that would probably be there on obvious passing downs, right? If he's your best passing back or receiving back, you also want someone that is capable of pass blocking, but you know, he was pretty um, confident in himself in saying that. But, look, he said he's basically here to do whatever the team asks of him. So, yeah, pretty low expectations for Travis Homer. But if he can live up to what he thinks he is as a pass-protecting back, that, that'll be a nice addition for the Spares running back room. And I see some comments like he signed a two-year deal. Why wouldn't he be a lock? I mean, it's a two-year, two-and-a-half million dollars. The Bears have so much money, flexibility, like – if say they drafted a running back and that running back looked really, really good in preseason and you can't lose him, they're not going to roll in with four running backs and a fullback. Like someone will have to go and that would probably be the next guy up. But I understand like why the question came in, just considering the contract. I'm just saying it's so early that I wanted to say, yep, he's on the team and he's going to play X amount of snaps. We need to get to that stage first. But like I said, very strong chance. I just want to say a million percent absolutely going to happen. All right, P.J. Walker, the 2020, 2020 XFL MVP of the league, Nick. We have an MVP at quarterback, and we have P.J. Walker. Justin Fields yes. is my MVP. Yep. Um, but, you know, dual threat guy, he's played pretty good given the circumstances. He had that 300-yard game last year against Atlanta. Uh, which I would mm -hmm. think is more 300-yard passing games than Justin has currently, but that's going to change this season. Do you know why he had 300 yards passing? Because he had DJ Moore. Boom. <laughs> that's why he exactly. had 300 yards in the game, and that's why Justin Fields is going to have a few of those uh, this season. Um, but I do know that one pass, the Hail Mary towards the end of that Falcons game to DJ Moore, Patrick Mahomes said that was like the best throw of the entire season by any quarterback. And so that's some high praise from – you know, right now, arguably the best at the position in the entire league. And what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. P.J. Walker, being that dual threat guy, goes to what we talked about about a month ago on the show is where I would like to see a running like a more dual threat quarterback back up Justin, someone that fits this offense a little bit more naturally. And they did it. And P.J. Walker. So I'm excited. Yeah, and I mean, again, he's a guy that will help make that transition period for DJ Moore a little bit smoother. Again, they're going through this process. They, uh, DJ Moore's been in Carolina for the last couple of years, and now he has somebody that he was close to. He was a part of a huge play with um, in that game against the Atlanta Falcons. And I think, too, like he, he shared a, a nice little nugget yesterday about DJ Moore, about not only the football player that he is, but just the intellect he possesses as a football player, he's like, when we're going in a huddle, DJ Moore is breaking the huddle early because he already knows the play and is going out there trying to read the defense. Again, that's kind of the, the level of player the Bears are getting in DJ Moore. But for PJ Walker, like the Bears, they need to bring in another 
quarterback because Trevor Simeon is no longer on this roster. They let go of him yesterday. So a guy that, like you said, dual threat probably fits more closely to what this Bears offense looks like with Justin Fields, but it won't ever be that to that level because Fields is just a completely different athlete than what a PJ Walker will ever be. But it's uh that should be a given in case anyone didn't know. But I really like watching him, Will, when he was in the XFL. I remember doing like mm-hmm. a I was still in school and I had to do an assignment on him. Like, this guy's good. And then, you know, he gets in the NFL, does a couple things here and there. And now he's on the Bears. So it's a good signing, I think. Well, when polls came in, one of like the big themes was resiliency. And mm-hmm. when you find people and players who have gone through adversity, have overcome the adversity, it just shows like they have that heart of a lion They're You know, they have that passion, that real deep love for the game, because if you didn't love the game, you want to go through all these things. Like if PJ Walker didn't love football, you wouldn't have gone from, you know, undrafted later, a couple of years later to the XFL. I think last year when he entered Carolina, it was like the third or fourth quarterback on the roster. And there it's obviously like, those are a lot of hurdles, but he made the most of those opportunities. And here he is for Chicago for an opportunity to back up one of the most exciting, you know, quarterbacks here in the league in Justin Fields. So I'm excited about this. And like you said, like when you go back and watch what he did in the NX, in the NX XFL, it's where to say in the, I want to say, yeah, uh, NFL, <laughs> XFL. It, it's exciting stuff. So I, I think he'll be fun to watch. And as much as I, you know, understood the Trevor Simeon role last year as a mentor guy, someone to help Justin kind of learn this offense and has been around the league. Like PJ Walker makes more sense. If you have to have someone come off the bench where you don't have to change everything because of who's back there, you can run the same offense and that should allow them to kind of be a little bit more smooth in the transition if that happens. But ideally that doesn't happen. Yep, exactly. I'm right there with you. All right. So, we talked about all the players. What's like a top need? Is it edge rusher right now? Is that, is that still like, is that now the new, well, I don't want to say even new, but, but is that the top need on this roster? Like, I, I feel like to me, when I just go through my head of where everything stands, like it just keeps coming back as like, that has to be it. Yeah. It's either that or three tech, right? Like the dominant three tech, that the engine that makes this defense go. And I, I, I'm going to go three tech for me, but it's on the defensive line right? It's on the defensive line for what the biggest needs are. And, you know, people, if they want to argue offensive tackle, Hey, I can't bring it on can't yeah. push back. Yeah. Because that's also a big need for the bears. And, you know, Ryan Pohl said he's not, he can't address everything. And I don't think anybody should have expected the bears to address literally everything this off season. But I think, you know, those two defensive line and offensive tackle are easily the biggest needs remaining on this bears team. <clears throat> Man, it's going to be interesting to see how the, you know, the next couple of phases of free agency will unfold here. The Bears have plenty of money they can continue mm-hmm. to go spend. They still have money that they have to go spend. And then, of course, the draft and how that's going to start changing uh, some things here, too. But obviously, you can't fix all the needs. But, Nick, from this time, so obviously, all, a lot of the news started coming out on Monday. So just say from this time last week, so last Friday to now, like, I don't know if you can quantify how much better the bears are, but we can do like a survey, right? Are they not any better? Are they somewhat better? Are they better? Or are they really better? Or are they worse? You can, you can go on that side of the spectrum too, but I'm assuming we're not going that way. Yeah, no, I'd go better. The, the bears are a better football team than they were before free agency began, before the big trade happens for the number one overall pick, but they are better. Now they're not the best they could be, because again, we see in the comments, the Lions are biggest need. Like that still needs to be addressed. And I, I've I've said this a lot now. Twenty twenty three should be all about Fields taking that next step as a passer. And you still need to put in the what it's the draft assets, the free agent uh, acquisitions to make that happen. But they are better, no doubt about it. Like anytime you add a guy like DJ Moore, you are better. You add those two linebackers, you are better defensively. So. Those one-score games, like if you had the roster that you have uh-huh. now last year in those one-score games, how does that go? I, You know, it, it could go either way. Like TJ Edwards was talking about when they played the Bears, like that was a competitive game. They had no quit whatsoever, and they did that with literally guys filling in positions, to be completely honest. So now you're, you're starting to get some talent here. That, that makes the Bears uh, definitely an interesting team to watch going forward. 
good old Daniel. Do I now I predict 12 wins? Um, we all know he's kidding. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it very much. We'll see. We'll get there. Uh, but you brought up a good point. All those close games. And honestly, this Bears defense gave up a lot of points. Uh, so with the addition so far, like, I don't know. Do you think we can shave off three points if you had this roster last year, like on defense? Like, is three points too little? Is it? I don't want to say a full touchdown yet. For some reason, I don't want to go that far. Just with like the work still to be done up front. But I mean, it's hard to argue that those linebackers would. It would help you get off the field more. I feel like the Bears would be giving up fewer points with like if you had to field that the current roster on last year. I feel like you would be giving up at least three less points per game, maybe even a little bit less. Or more. Yeah, <laughs> it's no. weird to quantify that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, they they definitely are better um, if they get the 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 secondary is able to do what it was doing with no pass rush. The Bears still need to add that pass rush, but they were one of the worst teams from the linebacker position in coverage. Now they arguably become the best. Like that's going to make an impact on this Bears defense and hopefully limiting points now given up. So I I don't know if they're like I'm not there with the touchdown yet, but they are better. So. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how Ryan Poles can still add to this roster, but yeah, I I don't think I don't know if team other people who come into our channel or even like other teams they, they you shouldn't overlook the Bears, right? Like they were competitive last season and they you know ended the season on a ten game losing streak, but they're starting to add a little bit more talent now, so you gotta you gotta be cognizant of that. See, both things can be true, and I know like from an outside perspective, it may be hard to understand it, but I think. Bears fans and a lot of people here like uh, can see that where like you did lose 10 games in a row, but those mm-hmm. games were competitive and both things can absolutely be true. You can be like, there's, there's different ways to look at losses and there are different types of losses and the bears did have some bad ones, but by and large, they were a little closer than maybe people would think when you just look at that bears record. And again, thank you, Levy Smith for that first overall pick. We really appreciated it. Uh, while we had it and uh, i think it's going to turn into you know a handful of monsters of the midway uh to kind of watch throughout this next half decade decade or so but i'm excited thanks very much dear mr smith uh any final thoughts i don't know if we have any questions queued up uh right now i don't see anything at least on our back end uh but i I appreciated all the camaraderie in the chat as, as well as all the interactions that we had either with us or, I mean, amongst themselves, the chat is just awesome. Yeah, chat's been great all week. Appreciate everyone who's tuned into all the shows. There's been some that have, are not the usual, you know, noon hour that we usually record at. So, appreciate everyone for tuning in. But stay tuned. The Bears, are, Bears aren't done. We'll see what they can do over the weekend. But uh, everyone have a great St. Patrick's Day. Make sure before you tune out, hit that like button. It helps hit us it. out here at CHGO. And... Yeah, just appreciate everyone who tuned in to this Friday show. There we go. We'll talk to you soon next week. I think that means Friday for me. We'll figure it out. But regardless, have a great weekend. Until I see you, bear down, Chicago.